Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance, romantic fantasy, and things. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. So let's see. Today is Thursday, December 30th. One more day until the end of the year. I did a blog post yesterday uh, talking about some of the same things I've been talking about on the podcast this week about the benefits of keeping metrics on yourself. And I talked about it in terms of New Year's resolutions because that uh, seems to be a topic that naturally comes up uh, with the new year and is somewhat controversial because a lot of people feel like they're setting themselves up for failure with a resolution. And I hear the same conversation about uh, setting word count goals or tracking uh, your process, tracking how you actually perform. Uh, when I do one on one coaching, that's something that comes up a lot. Uh, that other authors will say, uh, I've heard people put it in exactly those same terms. Well, I don't want to set myself up for failure. And I think that there's a common perception and it, it may be generational to some extent that by setting yourself a goal that you are creating a situation where you can fail and feel bad about it. And I've talked about this um, in other ways at other times, but I think it's pertinent to this particular topic that it's not the setting of the goal that creates the potential for failure and feeling bad about failure. Uh, setting a goal, yes, creates the potential to um, meet, exceed, or fall short of the goal. Right. That's, that's just a, I want to say it's like a law of physics, right? You know, that's just the nature of the beast, right? But the answer is not to remove the goal itself. The answer is to remove how you feel about failing, falling short of the goal or even meeting or exceeding the goal. Uh, that's what we control is how we feel about things and what our perception is. And I know I've talked a whole lot about that book, um, burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. But one of the things that she talked about in there or that they talked about in there that I found incredibly useful, uh, just a different lens on the same thing is they talk about perfectionism and reframing how you think about the difficulty of reaching a goal and they present it with with some really interesting psychology and science that what how we feel about a task is very much intertwined with what they call our internal monitor how that assesses how difficult the task is and they use the analogy of like driving 20 minutes to the mall that if we think of this as being a fairly simple, straightforward, we should be able to get there in our 19 minutes, 30 seconds or whatever, uh, that anything that gets in the way of that can be immensely frustrating. So if we hit a traffic jam, if the car breaks down, 
um, if we even, you know, reach a slowdown where we're stopped by a number of lights and the task becomes more difficult, then that is what we begin to react to. Um, and so they talk about reframing how we feel about the difficulty of a task. And I feel like writing books. There's a lot to this here. Um, one of the ways that they used to describe and, and they do a much better job of explaining it than I am. So I say read the book, but one of the things that they talk about as an example of this reframing is uh, one of the gals is a, a choral music director and she was they were going to record a concert and recording a concert is apparently tremendously laborious because you are striving for perfection and you can do the same few notes over and over and over again um, until they are perfect. But perfection uh, is an immensely difficult thing and tedious to strive for. So what she asked the choir to do, and they were working with a very famous um, producer or director, and she had said instead of striving for perfection, that she wanted them to strive for filling him with joy. And because that is something that is that comes from within that whereas perfection it, it's a difficult thing to try to attain uh, but trying to fill someone with joy is pivots it changes what you're trying to do and I feel like this is important because we talk about writing books is a laborious process um, slow drip work over time and then we also have um, critical voices out there, right? Who, uh, and I was talking about this with some folks yesterday. Uh, there's one person who usually loves my books, um, loves all of the 12 kingdoms books and so forth. But, um, my story in fire of the frost, which takes place in the dark wizard world, um, disliked it so intensely that she didn't rate it. She said that it was a good story and it was well executed, but she bounced off of the world so hard that she simply didn't rate it at all. Um, I think she would have liked to have rated like an F, but uh, didn't want to be cruel and perhaps recognized. I think she would say that she recognized that this could be a personal thing, but that she just didn't like the story itself. And one of the things that I've been contemplating with the dark wizard world, for those of you who, uh, have been reading it is the the power imbalance is physiologically created and how much of that is something that I know some of you because you've said so want that to change and we would like to see that change will I change that about the world I don't know um I have to see how the story spins out but decisions like that, that's, that's part of the outgrowth of the story within us and striving to, I don't know, filling our readers with joy is, is the right metaphor. Cause sometimes it's, it's a different emotion than that. I mean, I always have happy endings, but sometimes it's, um, it's an emotional trial to get there. Right. 
So what we have to do is disengage how we feel about what we're trying to do. Um, obviously we are never going to please every single reader, right? Uh, so that can't be the goal that that can't be to fill everyone with joy, right? Uh, maybe one person with joy, that might be something that you can frame in your mind, but circling back to this disengaging from how you feel about falling short of a goal. This is what I'm trying to talk about this week with treating, approaching it like a scientist. It's a data point. Um, if you don't meet a goal that you had set for yourself, that is an opportunity to examine the conditions that caused you not to meet that goal. It's not a good or bad thing. Uh, Arctic foxes are not, um, some are not better than other Arctic foxes. Um, if one doesn't catch as many mice as another, uh, on a particular day, that doesn't mean that they are a failure, right? The one that does catch a lot of mice, that doesn't mean that they are, um, a brilliant hunter. It's just a data point. So the idea of disconnecting how we feel about failure, uh, from the observation of whether or not you met the goal is really important. And I talk about this with knife throwing that one of the interesting aspects of knife throwing is that it's really cool when you stick the target, but you don't always stick the target and you want to, it's an exercise in trying to feel as good about not sticking the knife in the target as you do about sticking the knife in the target. And, and one way about to, one way to go about this is to try to separate that feeling of having succeeded like, Ooh, when you do stick the knife in the target, sticking the knife and not sticking the knife are, there's no value judgment to those two things, right? There, it's not good or bad. It's just a difference in physics, right? It's a difference in a physical reality. And so you're not thinking in terms of, um, I am good if I do this and bad if I do not. So that's all a fairly long, uh, and involved way of talking about how we feel about, uh, about goals. Uh, I urge you, I urge you as I do with people that I coach, not to let this idea that you would be, that if you set yourself a goal, that you're setting yourself up for failure, get in your way. Instead, what you're doing is you're discovering how well you do with setting and reaching goals or not. And one of the things I talked about in the blog post yesterday is with new year's resolutions, you know, some people don't want to make them because then they feel bad if they fail to keep them. Think of it in instead as adjusting variables in an ongoing experiment that you are experimenting with different ways to increase productivity, to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. 
and whether or not you are able to gives you a data and once you see that data what prevented me from reaching the goal I'd set then what you do is you tweak those variables and you say okay maybe I'm writing at uh, not the most productive time of day for me so let's tweak that variable so for the year ahead we're going to try changing this variable um, maybe my you know looking at email before I start to work looking at social media before I start to work clouds my brain uh, therefore I will tweak that variable a uh, different way of approaching resolutions. Hello something in my eye there. So coming back to tracking yourself. Uh, I talked a bit about how I have my spreadsheets that are like a house upon which I have built out many wings. I encourage you to come at it this way to set up your tracking system the way you want it to be. Uh, I do have one author friend who pays me to help her. Um, I sent her a tracking sheet at the beginning of the year. She just asked me if I do a new one for her next year and then she inputs her data and now she's happy with doing it a year at a time and I'll go through and crunch the data for her and make her some charts and show her how she's actually spending her time because she wants to get more efficient about how she spends her time. Ideally she'd like to be more productive um, whether or not that's something that's within our control depends right. Um, sometimes you are already producing as much as it is possible for you and your process to produce. However you can perhaps get more efficient with your time. So I think it's I know there are tracking sheets out there. There are tracking programs out there. I think start very small and which is how I did it. Um, at first I was just trying to track how many words I wrote um, in a day so that I could reliably predict whether or not I would meet my deadline. And this is this is the one of the most useful things I think even if you are a newbie writer out there and you are just starting out and you're just um, you know like writing the book that maybe no one will ever see. <laughs> maybe you're not telling anyone that you're writing a book. I know a lot of people who've done that. Um, CJ Box if you're familiar with his books um, Chuck I know like would write in the night after his wife and kids had gone to bed and because he didn't want anyone asking him how the book was going. He didn't want that pressure. So you know if you're writing a book in secret no you know in some ways that's a great way to do it because it's a good way to keep voices out of the room right. So but start tracking how many words a day you can write how many you do and it'll go up and down it'll vary but you'll begin to see a trend over time and you just want to honestly track the data with the curiosity of a scientist observing arctic foxes. There's no success or failure you're simply observing and why this gets really important later is let's say you sell this book that you have written to traditional publishing 
and they give you a three book deal for a bunch of money and it's a celebration woo hoo hoo and then they say um so for book two in the series do you think you could get it to us in a year and you think a year sure i can get it to you a year from now but you're forgetting that you maybe spent five years writing this first book right you may have spent a year writing it and another year retooling it and then a third year tearing it apart and rewriting it um this happens to a lot of us we spend a lot of time writing that first book in part because we need to we're learning what we're doing and and i i encourage you to take all the time you want someone asked the other day how do you improve craft uh you improve craft by taking all the time you need to write the book write a lot of words write it over and over if you need to um don't rush to publication it's so easy to rush to publication now don't have to do that so what you want to be able to do is when they say can you get this next book to us a year from now you need can then go back over your numbers and look and see is it actually possible for you to write a book in that period of time and you've got the data you're going to be able to see it and you can tell them no <laughs> um and and that's better it's better than missing your deadline because missing your deadline can be bad on a number of levels it um, can really mess mess you up with your publishers likewise if you're self-publishing let's say you're you've set a uh, set up a pre-order because like me you love those sweet sweet pre-orders you have to know whether or not you're going to be able to write that book in time right can you have to set a reasonable date for that pre-order and you guys have heard me talk about that like going back through my spreadsheets and crunching my numbers and i look at best case and worst case scenarios uh, you want to be able to set a publishing schedule for yourself that is sustainable and and maybe that's part of this not setting yourself up for failure which you know granted i don't really think that that's a thing but if you set unrealistic expectations for yourself then you are increasing the probability that you will not meet that goal because if you are in actuality if you commit to i can write 3000 words a day but in reality your average is you know you're writing 1500 words a day you're not going to make that goal and you have to be realistic about that so so i would say start with tracking your daily word count just make a list this is a simple spreadsheet thing you could probably even do it in a column in word um, i like spreadsheets because then you can do neat things with the data and make charts and stuff but you know date number of words you write or if you want to figure it in a different way um, amount of time that you wrote um, number of scenes that you wrote number of chapters people approach it different ways um, i i like word count because it's easy but some people um, have an unfriendly relationship with word count I do know one author who prefers to uh, write in terms of scenes because if she does word count, she finds that she really ends up padding her writing, which, you know, I could see that. I tend to be a concise writer, so word count works for me. Um, and then branch out from there because if you have a daily measure, then you can start 
calculating weeks, months, years, and so forth. Uh, I break it down umpteen number of ways and I'll talk about that tomorrow like all of the different ways that I uh, measure my productivity. I won't look at the spreadsheet right now but think about what it is that you want to know. For me like I said it started when I suddenly had multiple traditional publishing contracts which was great except that I began to realize that I did not know if I was going to be able to make all of those deadlines and I had to I sat down and I planned out like the next two years of my life you know with all of those different deadlines and started figuring how much did I have to write every day and it was good that I already had some idea of how much I could write every day but also it was a process of constant readjustment right. Um, that's why I I track still and I will always track because it changes over time. Um, my trends change and I try to be aware of that and adjust the variables. So on that note I will remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network and you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts and I will talk to you all tomorrow. You all take care. Bye bye.